Hello, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Body Liberation for All podcast. I did a two-night takeover with Nick Whitcomb from The Come Up. Nick is an actor. He is a audio specialist. Nick does all the things. When I came across him at a podcasting conference, we instantly clicked, and we knew we wanted to do a collab. Actually, we realized that a little bit later, as soon as we got on the phone together. Anyway, the The point is, it was a two-day event, and if you've already listened to episode one, you know you're in for another treat. This episode is extra special because I brought my best friend onto the show as a special guest. Not only is Ricardo Corporan the best friend ever, he's also a huge advocate for human rights issues and centers his professional life around diversity, equity, and inclusion. He's queer, he's a person of color, he's extremely artistic, and he is hysterically funny. We talked about a lot of serious things in the episode, so that may not come across, but don't worry, he will be back in a future episode. All right, let's get right to it. Liberation for All podcast takeover. Here we go. Yes, tonight, friend, new friend to me, friend of Dahlia, Ricardo Capitan. And now, coming to the screen, the co host of the God of Liberation podcast takeover, Dahlia Kinsey. Ow! Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for night two of the takeover. So this might feel a little more takeover-y than yesterday's takeover. So I will be taking the lead today and dropping this into my feed later on. So if you haven't subscribed to my podcast yet, um, maybe you need a few more minutes to fall in love with me. Don't worry, it's going to happen. You will get that information at the end of the show and you can relive this magic in a couple of weeks, just the audio version. So tonight we have Ricardo Corporan on the show, a local Atlanta artist and a diversity, equity, and inclusion professional who's actually a person of color. So he actually has lived experience, unlike folks that we spoke about yesterday who read a couple of books and then kind of off the cuff, try and explain all the complexities of racism and marginalization. Ricardo has lived experience and then professional experience looking at this from a more analytical angle. But come on in, Nick, my lovely co-host. How are you doing today? (laughs) I'm doing well. That was great. This is so interesting. I imagine this is probably what they think is happening with Stage 10. They think that someone else is pushing the buttons while someone talks. (laughs) Um, Not that it's all happening. This has been very nice. This has been very... (laughs) Yeah, it's nice. Imagine having like a real producer. (laughs) Sometimes Uh, I do get volunteer producers. It makes a big difference. Then you can really focus on the comments and answering people in real time. I just want to say out loud, just so like it's not an awkward thing. We did not plan to wear the same color. I just want. Oh, I wanted to to pretend that we're either psychically connected or we're just all about magic. I think we are psychically connected, and that's why I wanted to point it out so that people aren't like those losers. Like, I just I want them to like know that like this is a real unity that's happening. Yes, yes, it's a whole vibe, (laughs) and I feel like purple has some kind of black significance. But at the moment, I what does it mean? Um. (laughs) <laughs> royalty and like, we are Jamila, typically Jamila. you know <laughs> i mean i don't know i'm just you know that it's weird just like you said that and i was like mm-hmm, and then you were like what does it mean and i was like you know what i came actually to you yeah i don't know i feel like it does mean something maybe it just means that there was a book I mean, I, don't know if that's I mean, the color it. purple, but like, is that racist like are we racist now i don't for... remember the beginning of that book so maybe it was explained early in it. I don't even know what this, why it's named that. 
Um, oh, there's definitely a line in there, and the musical definitely says it pretty plainly, and I don't remember it right oh, now. Really? So my a, a bunch yeah, of my it. cards, okay. bunch of we'll my put cards it on are being taken. <laughs> <laughs> we have a list of references that we just can't back up this week. We just, you know, it's so funny. I thought the other day after we got off the call when you said like there are all these people who say they've read a book and then they suddenly know more about being black than you do. There, I keep having issues with people using black slang on me that I don't know. And I always refuse to admit it. I'm just like, uh-huh, yeah. And then I like look it up later. And I still couldn't quite figure out like how are people using hotep like in a sentence? I don't know. And then I oh. heard it in a Janelle Monet song and I still didn't really get it. So there are a lot of things that have lost me in my card over the years and <laughs> recent weeks. Listen, but you know what? I always tell people when they're like, I'm going to take your black card. I'm like, that's okay. They still kill me. So it's like you're real enough, right? Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh, I'm so excited about our guest today. Oh, Let's me too. In. Oh, Ricardo. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. I'm feeling a little left out because you guys didn't tell me to wear purple. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the theme. You have this purple. Oh, I do have the purple lights up here. I was, I was just going to say the lighting. I'm wondering if that's really where, where the suggestion came mm. from because yeah. I love your whole backdrop situation. Oh, so, yeah, you. that's thank probably where we saw purple. <laughs> so, it's your fault. Okay, well, if you're blaming yeah. me, well, then I guess I can't really feel that left out. <laughs> I think the colors all agree. So how have you been doing? How are you doing as we approach November? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm... very entertained by your social media posts <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> was that yesterday? Days don't yeah, count anymore. I just... The days are a blur, and um, I, I, I can't believe that, you know, we're already approaching November, and it's, you know, that we're in October is just, it, it's crazy to me, because when we were first sent home from work to start working virtually and working from home, uh, we were all thinking it was going to be a couple of weeks, you know, maybe mm-hmm. two or three weeks, and now uh, we've been in the thick of it for quite a, quite some time, so... Um, there's a lot of frustrations with that. There, there's been great things to come out of that too. Um, you know, I, I like, I enjoy working from home, but I am also an extrovert. So I feel like I'm also missing the connection with my coworkers, which, you know, for me, a lot of my coworkers are my family, you know, I really enjoy their company. Um, so uh, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you've gotten hella pale. That's a side note. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm like sitting in front of a window all day. You would think I'm getting some like, It's not the same, Ricardo. It's not the same. <laughs> but it's funny when I was home for. I only got to stay home for a couple of months or like three. But I stayed home a lot longer than plenty of my coworkers and. They noted it, okay? But there was a time when I was on a call with my mom, and she was like, oh, oh. Like, you look strange. strange. (laughs) She's like, you need to go outside. Like, like, you literally scared her? You can see my veins or something, you know? She's just like, I don't think you're supposed to be that color. I'm like, you are correct. This is what happens when I don't go outside at all. Ugh. See, I always have like a nice little, I don't know if it's because I'm like just always hot. And so I'm just kind of just like baking no matter what. Um, I keep a nice. Getting the melanin up. Yeah, I keep keep a nice little crisp. Like I keep (laughs) keep a nice little crisp year round. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I have started going outside because I felt like it was going to help with mood. I read Mm -hmm. in multiple places that six months is a breaking point for a lot of people in a crisis or in a pandemic. I don't know how they would know about the pandemic part, but that's what <laughs> the article said. But I did feel like at the six month mark, I was just over it. Even introverts, if they're isolated for six months, 
might start feeling like maybe they're ready for contact. You know, in small groups. Here's what I'll say. Like I've found that I, I was doing a lot of things because people wanted me to. And I've seen people like I've gone on walks and I've like seen, like safely seen other humans, but like truthfully, like I'm kicking it. Like, (laughs) like as long as I make sure I get get outside every day and like, and I'm like personally moving and like not stuck in this space. Like I've really enjoyed, I mean, I don't like being on, like, I don't like being on work zooms. I don't mind being on like, Mm like communal conversational zooms. I'm, I was always a random phone caller before the pandemic. Um, so I, that didn't change. It actually showed me who actually cared about me or not because they would answer. Um, that's not true. Every people, not everybody's a fun person. <laughs> 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 I'm like, get cared by calling you. Yeah. And then- well, but it's nice. I get to like, I get to control my presence in spaces, even for like seeing shows. Like, I don't really like watching Zoom readings, but I get to go and like kind of be incognito and like dip out when I want to, like, which is not something that can happen when you go see a play, uh, which is something that wants to happen a lot of times when I was seeing plays. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, it's been nice to kind of like control my presence in the world, if I'm being honest. Oh, I like those silver linings. What you said, Ricardo, that there were some good things that came out of it so far for you this year. What are some of those things? Yeah, for me, some of those things have been, you know, just um, going on my walks. I'd go on a walk every morning. Um, I've been spending a lot more time with my mother-in-law, uh, which has been really interesting because we, you know, have a, have great conversation now. Um, just, you know, developing more of a, a closer relationship with her during this pandemic you know, because we're going out on a walk together, just, you know, um, having like being forced really to, to talk to each other and, and um, spend more time with each other. But I, it's really been a blessing because I'm getting to know her a lot better. And we're having some really great conversations about um, politics, about race relations in our country right now, which I, you know, never thought I would be having th- this conversation, these type of conversations with my mother-in-law. But, um, you know, as a white woman, like, she's been so receptive to my point of view, my perspectives on these topics. And that's been really powerful to me Uh, talking to family, you know, during this time of racial reckoning um, and this reawakening of the civil rights movement is so important. So to know that I have family that I can do that with is really important to me. Uh, Another thing that has been good that's come out of this is, um, in the evenings, I've just found that, you know, if I'm stressed or I've had a long day, I can sit down and focus on something that I started a few years ago. And that's my art. Um, you know, just, just focusing, you know, my, my energy and my attention on, um, something that's kind of mindless, but also helps me process what I'm, how I'm feeling at the time. Uh, and that's been really helpful to me. I, I started it a couple of years ago just as a form of therapy. My counselor recommended that, you know, I try it out. See, you know, you know, whenever you're feeling stressed out or overwhelmed and you're trying to process, you know, traumatic, traumatic memories or events from your past, try just writing it, you know, maybe doodling or, or doing something that you enjoy, but also focusing, you know, uh, on those thoughts and, and, you know, try to, um, articulate that but in into art uh and for me that was always really healing and um and and i love doing it so it's fun to do i'm doing it more than i've ever done it now and now i'm posting it online and people have really taken a liking to it so uh now i'm starting to sell it i donated a couple of pieces to nonprofit organizations which um that that i'm you know connected to or that i uh enjoy supporting uh, one of them being the theater that I'm on the board of, Theatrical Outfit. Uh, we uh, had a gala earlier this year. It was in May. And, you know, I was so concerned. Are we going to be able to raise enough money for this nonprofit organization that I'm so passionate about? You know, I, I'm passionate about this theater because their mission is starting the conversations that matter. And that's that's what we're doing right here. You know, we're having a conversation that matters. And, um, you know, I was so concerned about, 
whether we were going to be able to raise, raise enough funds for this nonprofit theater that I'm now on the board of. of. Of all years for me to be on the board, by the way, like this is my first time ever on a board. And I'm just like, why in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> um, but, you know, we ended up exceeding what our expectations on what we were going to bring in for that fundraising event. And um, I'm so thankful for that. But because of my fears, I entered a piece of my art for that fundraiser. And we ended up selling a, the first piece that I've ever sold. And that was just like mind boggling to me. I was like, oh my God, maybe I need to start selling art all the time now. <laughs> maybe yeah. I need to quit my day job. I don't know. Um, I mean, probably don't quit your day job right now. I wouldn't say this is the moment. Um, but I mean, but look That's at how artist beautiful. To artist. Yeah, I artist to artist. Work. Don't do it. I don't advise Uh-oh. it. Don't advise it. Um, but look at this. Like, it's beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much. That is a gorgeous piece of artwork. And like, and you just love, you love you a setup, don't you? Look at it. Mm. It's just, <laughs> it's just poised perfectly, doing what it needs to do. I love it. Oh, I wish I could take credit for that. That's actually my husband. He is definitely the designer. <laughs> I love that they're um, like a power couple. <laughs> Design and say thank you. Fanciness. <laughs> And gorgeous art. So why? So why? Why did you put your art down? And what about this moment? It like made you want to come back to it and kind of like devote to it consistently. That's a great question. I didn't. I never really put it down. I would say I started it in 2016, and it was during a period where I was, um, you know, a non-traditional student. And Dahlia will tell you all about this. You know, we were never encouraged to, you know, growing up in in the cult that we did we yes like we side never... note, oh there was a cult and we're just gonna like skim over it yeah growing up in the cult uh, yeah yeah, yeah. we grew up in a cult <laughs> okay <laughs> that is that is the second <laughs> cult mention that's why i asked him about it so nick interviewed someone else who mentioned growing up in a cult and like that's why she didn't wasn't super familiar with the black church and praise dancing. And I was like, Oh, which one? But I think the way I asked it because I didn't give Nick the context, like I was in a cult too. He thought I meant which person. And I was like, I'm just going to skim over it. (laughs) I didn't clarify. (laughs) Wait, I'm so sorry. That email. I didn't, I'm learning that right now on the show, folks. That email said, what is the name of the cult? Not the name of the person in the cult. Yeah, I just said, oh, which one? Is that, okay, question. So is that a proper question? Like, can I ask him, can I be like, what cult were you in? Like, is that, a, is that? Um, I think so. Or is it, you know, does it vary? We don't know. Because there's so many things that you do that are not okay and that are not cool when you're in a cult. That I think our concept of what is okay. I really, I literally thought, I was like, Dahlia, I thought we were friends. Why are you coming for me? Many things I do that are not okay. (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about? I'm I'm back now. I'm back. (laughs) I'm just saying, I don't think I really know. I mean, I I have no idea. I love. Sorry for the detour. Listen, detours Quite are necessary. I mean, I watched I watched Waco at the beginning of the pandemic, and so like I was really interested in, but then I didn't know like what's the cult culture like is. And now that I've met three people from a cult, I feel like I can ask on in public. This is probably not a good idea. Well, you know what's funny? I think it all depends on how afraid are they still of the cult, of the cult and how yeah. much family is still in the cult. They might be cagey about talking about it because they're afraid a family member will see it or a current cult member will see it and rat them out or cause problems for their family. So. Yes. And that is the nature of uh, cults. They will um, make you take unnecessary detours in your life. <laughs> Mine, being, <laughs> Mine being that ours, you know, they did not as part of this cult, they did not encourage higher education of any form. Uh, So I never finished my bachelor's degree. I never took, you know, education or, or, you know, a higher education seriously because I never, I I, I knew it wasn't expected of me. Uh, And it wasn't until I left the cult that I said, oh my gosh, you know, if I want to be successful in life, I need to get a higher education. 
so I started going back to school. I went to Georgia State University. So in 2016, I was working full time. I was, you know, in the midst of processing my own traumas from being in this cult, you know, from being mixed race, from being gay, you know, all the things, processing all of that on the side and also going to school full time. So it was just a lot on my plate. And I found art to be such a great escape for me and, and such a, a great and, and, and therapeutic way to process uh, those emotions that I was having, those feelings. And um, so I never really put it down. I, I think I do it anytime I'm stressed out or anytime I need, you know, just to process. And there's a lot of processing going on right now. Yeah, so I was like, I'm what could possibly be stressing you out right now? I don't think <laughs> last night. I mean, like, okay. Can we... I, I think my favorite um, post from you was like, it just said, oh my God, is that a fly right now? And you had the little turn. <laughs> the fly. Let me tell you. So I, I did, I didn't live post about the presidential debate. Um, I love, but I posted a few and this time I just posted one and it said, tag yourself. I'm, I'm Kamala Harris's smirk because that smirk was everything. And then the thread was hilarious. And I'm so happy that fly showed up. Like it was the perfect post for the night because then, because then the fly showed up and everybody was like, I'm the fly. I'm the fly. I've decided I'm the fly. Like I couldn't believe, I could not believe that a fly landed on that man's head and he sat there. And it just sat, it was like a, it was like, two, it was a full question answer back and forth. Like it was five minutes. Like that fly was kicking yeah. it. Twitter was so extra about it. I, I, what blows my mind is how quickly people churn out the most hysterical cartoons and graphics. Oh my goodness. The meme Man, the sometimes I don't even brutal. watch the, Oh yeah. Yeah. They were. <laughs> But let's talk about Biden's like social media team for a minute because like I was seeing yes. on Twitter he was like updating immediately after with pictures of him it. with a fly swatter and I was just like oh my god is it? I had to look at his own Twitter to see if it was real because I thought it was just a meme that some yes. you know mean person on the internet made That's but no some staffer <laughs> who is just killing their job who is just doing an amazing amazing job that i don't believe that was a boomer's idea well and, and you know what's <laughs> funny so there's oh i wish i remembered who the representative is but there's there was a representative that like the post said stock post for after debate like we're so proud of mike pence like so clearly some intern like a forgot to delete it or b was like i want everyone to see that you're just full of shit um, like, which is hilarious to me. Um, that like, <laughs> I, I just need all the interns to just rebel. Like, that's that's oh, where we're please. at. Because as I understand it, and as I've observed, even on visits to the Hill, they're literally doing all the work. Yeah, but it makes it's a little unnerving to know that the people doing all the work and giving all the information to the decision makers are people we did not select and we don't even know who they are. That's a little like. Eh. Not great. Among so many other things that are not great, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> so what have you been doing this year in particular to keep yourself sane in DEI? Because, you know, already maybe some people were a little skeptical about DEI and that a lot of organizations and a lot of people of not color, um, <laughs> unmelanated, not melanated, I don't know. Other people sometimes will, in a performative way, be like, oh, let's get someone in here to do a presentation. And then we're going to be, boop, 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 done. We're anti-racist now. Racism solved. How do you feel in the middle of a major civil rights movement working in that field, energetically? Yeah, you know, it, it, it comes in bits and spurs where, you know, my passion for this work definitely is what has sustained me working in this field for as long as I have, um, which isn't very, that, you know, that very long considering I've, you know, I've been in, uh, human resources since 2015 now. Um, but I've been in the EDI since, uh, 2017, November of 2017. Um, but you know, there, there's periods where I, I just feel so overwhelmed and like people aren't just getting the message and I, I feel fed up and, um, exhausted and fatigued diversity fatigue is real um but there's also you know 
moments where I get inspired by seeing, you know, uh, not so much the needle moving where I want it to go, but uh, the stories that come out of, you know, the work that we're doing um, or the works works that others are doing in diversity and inclusion space. Podcasts like these are very inspiring to me. I see safe spaces for people of color to come and talk, specifically queer people of color. I mean, that's amazing to me and, and inspire, inspirational to me. And, um, you know, I think you just have to make time to separate yourself and surround yourself with people who look and think like you sometimes, um, because we can't constantly be running this marathon by ourselves. It's, it's exhausting. Um, you have to take a break and you have to practice good self-care. You have to go to the Black Joy Summit and, you know, other spaces where you can, you know, celebrate with other people of color um, and, and be joyful because without joy, you know, without Black Joy, without joy from people of color, then like this work is pointless. Because um, that's that's all what we're fighting for, really. That that's all what this work is about is creating spaces where everyone can feel included, and everyone is equal. It's not that hard to ask. I don't know why, you know, there's so much work involved in making this happen, but um, it is yeah, what it is, and we are where we are. Live like seriously. I'm right. not asking for anything. Just let me live. Yeah. I was going to ask you. Because because it is it does seem maybe it's because we're the ones that are on the on the side of the the oppression we're the ones that are on the side of being treated poorly as we're like you could just not do that like and <laughs> and it'd be better. It is that simple though? Like you could just not. That's the whole presentation. <laughs> I just uh, yeah. I mean that's right. I I I've found a lot of times because you know what's what's been interesting in this moment is. Every, well, not every, but a lot of the spaces that I've worked in before or that know who I am have called me and been like, hi, we are racist. Um, and I, you know, oh, don't, wow. I don't know how, what, what, should, what do we need to do? I mean, they haven't said the words we are racist, but that's pretty much Oh, I was so proud of uh, that. No, no, that. they haven't. They I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I want to, I got to no, take, I get it. Okay. I never, never, never never that's pretty much what they said. <laughs> And they're like, how do, how do we, how do we fix? And so, I mean, it's interesting because working inside of an arts nonprofit, a lot of the work that we're doing, while I am not a hired consultant or trained in HR or anything, is, is consulting and advocating for myself and being like, no, this program is incorrect because X, Y, Z. They're like, what? Why? And you're like, well, okay, let me break it down for you. And then we're like doing, doing that labor. And then people started calling me as if that was my job. And I was like, listen, like, it's just so I'm like, if you can call me normal person that, you know, has no certification in this and and I'm correct. Apparently I'm good enough for you to call. Like, then shouldn't you think that you should just like be able to figure this out? Like what? Like, like, this is my thing. When you specify or clarify that this is labor. Yeah. I feel it's so inappropriate to ask a black person or a multiracial person who is also black in 2020 to do any emotional labor in relation to racial justice. Inappropriate. We are exhausted. There's been so much work done already published. Oh, you don't like to read? Okay. Get an audiobook. Oh, you don't want to do that? Okay. Watch a video. Take a course. Don't ask people of color for emotional labor in the middle of the most stressful year of their lives. And on individual levels, you know, people are going through stress related to oppression all the time. So it's always sketchy to ask a person of color to do emotional labor, to help you with your personal improvement project. You're worried about personal improvement. I'm trying to squeeze a modicum of joy out of the time that I have on the planet that I'm not spending explaining to people to stop treating me like I'm subhuman. I literally don't have time for that type of oppression, really, from people who are supposed to be friendly in my life. 
to have that coming from friendly spaces. So you may worry about your physical safety part of the day in this country. And then other parts of the day, you're minding your own business, feeling safe in your office or whatever. And then somebody comes in asking for free emotional labor. And then you have to navigate, how do I have this conversation in such a way that I don't burn all the bridges? Mm. Because have you seen, this was a long time ago. There have been skits where they show how you can say something in the most calm tone and people think you're screaming because you said it while having black skin. Yep. So well, yeah, forbid, while being black. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Heaven forbid you Listen, talking while being black is dangerous. Funny and we're laughing, but that's not funny at all. It's not. Well, <laughs> it's, so true. It, it's not. Well, and, and that's why, you know, I kind of flip it on its head and I think that's just people are more like, I start using really big words. Like, and I, like, I'll be like, and then people are like, oh, but like, it's with big words. So they're like, I'm not sure how to respond to, <laughs> to this take moment. This? Yeah. They're like, well, it's what? So funny, like, I, I feel like I naturally do that in some ways. Oh, you do. You totally do that. <laughs> but people still are just, I think. Your words. We... I'm like, I didn't even know that was a word. And that's from, that's from too much but reading. this is why we're friends, because he never makes me feel dumb whenever I'm like, what does that word mean? <laughs> ah. well, I will say too, when you're a multilingual kid, there's some things that you might miss in one language because you know it in the other. Like you never know. Good point. Good point. But what kills me is <laughs> just how people, because of all the ideas they have about how women should shut up, they don't give me an inch, man. There's like no way I could have an opinion and it not come across as that bitch like that's how it always mm-hmm. comes across no matter how i do it and i've finally given up on trying to be nice first of all naturally nice is not a value to me if uh, to me nothing could be more meaningless than being nice because mm-hmm. nice and sincere to me those two terms are not correlated a kind person might be sincere yeah. a kind person sees that you're really messing your life up and you need a sit down you need an intervention and they will have that difficult, uncomfortable conversation with you. A nice person sees that you're coming to work smelling like booze or whatever, and they won't say anything because that wouldn't be nice. Useless. That's like a useless thing to me. It's not one of my values. So I finally have let go of getting really upset when people call me names in relation to me being sincere. I had someone once put in writing at a job they did like a collage of employees for Boss's Day and they labeled every employee with a nickname that the person who made the gift made. You can see how this could be an issue, like this is headed in a bad direction. <laughs> but everyone else got perfectly lovely nicknames. And she called me a straight shooter. And I was like, Because she tells it like it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely not meant in like a nice way. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was foul is what it was. Mm-hmm. And at the time it really bothered me, but you know, now I'm just like, hmm. yeah, whatever. Love it leave it. Whatever. Every pot has its cover. Maybe I'm not for you. Period. It's a real art working with people who do not understand you or don't want to understand you and practicing the patience that it requires to still continue a conversation with them, despite knowing they do not want to, speak the same language. They don't want to see you as a person. They don't want to understand. Um, and, you know, I kudos to the people that have the patience to continue doing that. Um, because, you know, in, in my personal life, I've learned to shut the door and block certain people out of my life because I don't want to, you know, continue having conversations with people who don't see me as a person, who, who don't, you know, respect my rights, my human rights, my civil rights or who would vote, you know, against those rights. I don't have time for them in my personal life, but in my professional life, it's, you know, it's exhausting because you have to have those conversations with people. And so a lot of the work that we do is finding the right language to have conversations with people and do it in such a way that it's not going to be a major turnoff. Like I'm constantly being told, you know, in the work that we do, like, no, that's a little bit too jarring. Like, don't say it that way or, you know, and, and that's fine because that's why you work on a committee with several differently minded people. 
Um, it's not just one professional who does all the work in EDI. You know, it, it's great to be on a committee with several different people and you use that council as, you know, uh, a sounding board. Like, hey, this is how I think we should phrase this. And then the conservative, you know, straight white guy in the room will say, well, that rubs me the wrong way because of this and this and this. And then I'm just like, ah, but <laughs> we work together on, you know, forming the proper language so that it's uh, palatable for, you know, people who are in his mind space. Mm. Yeah. Well, I like the idea of someone working on trying to touch the hearts and minds of people that are not ready, you know, to hear something revolutionary, like I'm a person and I don't like, I saw your post, Nick, what do I, oh, white people. (laughs) And it just says nothing. nothing. (laughs) Some people are, they're not ready. They're not ready. So it's, good that someone's out there doing the work. And I love that that relieves the pressure that other people might feel to do the work, because if it's a calling for you, you do it. And maybe it won't be a calling forever. Maybe at some point you'll get burned out on it and move to a different phase of your activism, but there's always going to be somebody who is called to do it. So we don't all have to push for change in the same way. Yeah. It takes, it takes all kinds. And I, I think, um, you know, people say this about protesting. They're like, not everyone is going to go march on the streets. Um, everyone has a different form of protest. Um, I think everyone has a different form of, you know, engaging in these types of. I'm yelling at people at this point. I've moved. I'm. I'm just yelling at folks. You're. Yeah. You're in another phase. Yeah, I don't know I'm what just, is that phase called. Man, <laughs> just man. Um, and. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I feel like in that phase, you're just cracking up a lot of black people. Ah, yeah. Because how many people saw that post today and spat out their coffee? So you're spreading joy. Yeah, it's spreading joy. (laughs) But also, I think, you know, I feel like I, you know, working in predominantly white spaces my entire life, like I, I have always had the sheen of like, this is how... I need to be acceptable to these, like to say these things. Um, and so now <laughs> people just made me mad. Actually, I remember the moment I snapped. I was in a meeting with the theater and somebody was said Was that 2020? It was in 2020. I mean, that's not true. I've been snapping before then. <laughs> uh I I would I would actually say that like there was one Christmas, like before I went to on holiday break, I was just sending the emails left and right. People didn't know what to do. I was like and first of all, and secondly, like it was just, yeah, I was going in. No, straight up, like I was going in. And, and like the, the harsh emails, like rough, but like, but I, I just like, I get to a certain point where like, I, I'm also a person of chances. Like I don't come in blasting. Like I usually right. come in and I'm like, oh, 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 like a lot of gentle. But then when the blast turns on, it is pretty quick. People get a little shocked. But that, but that's also part of my strategy. Like is, is that I'm like, are you listening now? Because because before I was actively saying that there were problems and you weren't you you clearly weren't listening. Um, you like because if Sally says she has a problem, don't matter what voice she uses, you're gonna hear it and you're gonna fix it. Hmm. But How the fact that I said a problem in 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 my nice tone and you're like, oh, but uh, that means that you weren't actually listening to me. So now that I had to like roll my neck in the email, like mm-hmm. and and now we have to have this conversation, like it, like that's. We didn't ha- we didn't have to get here if you was just listening to me for real. But but now I've proven that you weren't listening, man. You and you, it's like it's like a parent. It's like this hurt me more than it hurt you, because now I had to show you a side of myself that I didn't want to bring out. I was trying. I was I holding mean, her back. I, I almost feel oh, too God. old for neck rolling. Like I could get injured, and so at that <laughs> point, I'm trying to good night, everyone. Boundaries. Thanks so much. <laughs> I'm trying to set boundaries so that we don't get to the point of the neck rolling so that they know just like literally I'm tired and I'm to the point now where sometimes I don't even answer. Someone could ask me a question right to my face and I might just walk away. So I want to know if I was called a straight shooter when I was trying to be nice, what will people start to call me when if somebody asks something that I'm just like, I'm not going to dignify that with a response and I just walk away. I want to know what the name's going to be next. Oh I'm excited Lord. to find out. I'm excited <laughs> to find out. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel so free lately. Like, I really feel mm. like, 
like so many people, my biggest, and I don't know if this is more a POC thing. My biggest hangup was my mother disapproving of me. Mm-hmm. And you hear black people, especially all the time say, you ain't my mama. And that's like the only person you have to listen to. Even if my dad's there, he's always there. He's, he's right beside my mom probably when I'm talking to her. But I'm so much more afraid of my mother's disapproval. Actually, I'm not afraid of my dad's disapproval at all. Maybe just because he's more chill. Oh, interesting. But now I, that like, my... That's, that's interesting to me because like for me, it's like the opposite. I was more really? afraid of my father's disapproval than my mother's. Oh, no. I mean, my dad is like, he's so good at being a parent. Like, not that my mom isn't, but he's a parent who's like, you're a gift. I'm your temporary guardian, but you are your own creature. God made you, God put you here, and I'm supposed to watch Oh, that's so beautiful. But I don't get to control who you become, and I don't need to control who you become. And my mom's more like, but you're my mini-me, and I made you, and I have expectations, you know. So, but now that I, I feel like my mom fully knows who I am, I I feel like there's no one left to disappoint. And oddly, I think she knew it all along. So I don't even know that she's even that disappointed. So now I'm like, oh my goodness, you can't tell me anything. I'm just like that bad kid who knows their mom's phone is disconnected and they have no fear because they know you literally can't get in touch Yo, with her. That's that where I'm at. Real. Yo, <laughs> that is real. Yo, that is a true. Call Go ahead. Go right call ahead. Whatever. Call my mom. Exactly. What you going to do? What you going to do? Oh, what happened? <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whatever. She ain't pay that bill. Exactly. It's just total freedom. <laughs> you, you see that kid. It's just so bold. Oh, no. I feel like totally liberated. I'm like, I'm just, just start letting people know what's up. Yeah. Because I love that you say, Ricardo, this is about the joy of the people that are being marginalized. It's about people being able to fully enjoy their lives in a way that so many other people are already. Mm-hmm. This isn't and a have been doing it for project. years. Exactly. This is not a self-improvement project for people who are whooping it up with the privilege. This okay. is literally about us. How how do we manage to turn this into something that's about you again? How? <laughs> yeah. Well, because I I mean I think I think I mean at least in this particular moment it became like, wow, I need to show that I am I am not racist. Like that, what I saw, what I saw happen, that is, that is un-American. And I need to prove that I, that I am not in that camp. Actually, you know what? After my research, it is American. It's very American, but I am not one of those <laughs> Americans. I That's even progress to be like, actually, that's like the most American thing that we do here. Right. <laughs> They're like, that's but that's like, not my America. And it's like, well, now we missed it again. Like, because that that's exactly your America. But no, it's, I mean, because I, th- I think <laughs> yes. it became, it became an I conversation. It became, what can I do to do? What can I? And I feel like part of it is that uh, social media is a tricky thing. And so all your black and brown friends are saying to you, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing to combat systemic racism? And so they're like, I'm reading a book. I am going to take this class. I am good. Right. It's like, but what are you doing for someone else? Like, is like, is the, is the continuation of that question. It's like, how then are you enacting all that? It's like, great. Love your research. That's beautiful. How are you fixing it? Yeah. 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 Uh, So it's also bizarre to watch from this perspective. And I thought it was funny earlier when you said too, like it's so good to have diversity at the table, essentially, when you're working in EDI, which I always want to say DEI. I don't know. I'm changing the order. And you said diversity. Um, As a side note, and and not to detract you from your thought, but I do want to point out that a lot of people have also been um, adding justice to the acronym. So now J-E-D-I- I hope to one day be able to say that I'm a Jedi master. <laughs> Justice, <laughs> equity, diversity, and inclusion. Oh my God. As I a didn't Star Wars fan, I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh my God. 
Now that you say it like that, I'll never forget what order the letters come in. And I think you should just start saying you're a Jedi master now, like immediately. <laughs> okay. Done. You know what you need to get on the screen? I got Ricardo the most kick-ass gift. Okay. It's so cute. Because he is a blurred, you know, nerd of color. Yes. He is obsessed with X-Men and as we all are, it's normal. Right. And I just get the cutest diversity, equity, and inclusion superhero. That was uh, so like cool. a, I was like, a me cartoonized? A car- cartoonized? Is that a word? I don't um, know. I, English is not my first language. That's not true. But I feel like that <laughs> would be a good I can't use that excuse if it's a total lie. But it was me. I just thought. Like it was yes, me it was so the cute. from the X Men and like the oh, it's your X-Men. profile picture. Yes, yes it is, mm-hmm. and it has diversity inclusion on the X stripe on his chest. So like, cute! Oh, that was so cool. So you Best should definitely call ever. yourself a Jedi Master. But I like that when you talked about diversity, you specifically mentioned the white straight guy being part of the diversity. I think it's funny how people who think of themselves as the center of the universe. Every time they use the word diversity, they mean not white. But that is not what the word diversity means. <laughs> but that's just how <laughs> it's frequently used here. So when I say diversity, I might mean an old, straight, white guy. So yeah. You bring up a really good point because, I like, you know, in, in the work that I do, we get a lot of surveys, you know, uh, and, and that's a, a, the major part of my job is working on survey after survey after survey that we get. And these questions, you know are how many um, diverse partners are at your firm or how many diverse associates are at your firm. And everybody uses a different, you know, definition of what they mean by diversity. Some include women, some include, you know, people with disabilities, some people, you know, include veterans, some include all of them. Most often than not, when I hear diversity, I'm thinking of people of color, minorities, and and that's it. But, you know, we also, you know, want to include LGBTQ plus, we want to include, you know, all, you know, religious minorities, you know? So in that sense, me, Dahlia, like you are, you know, one, two, three, four forms of diverse, I guess, in that category. I'm all the things. Yeah, you're all the things. Well, I feel like I'm a little disabled. A cult survivor. I was going to say religious diversity. (laughs) Yeah, religious minority. But I mean, as a cult survivor, I think you qualify. (laughs) Okay, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. And I'm going to say little disabled because I'm a spoonie and I have a chronic illness. So yeah, I check a yeah. lot of boxes. Yeah, yeah. Well, what has that been like for you dealing with race in a year? Well, not in a year, in your life as someone with fair skin who is a person of color. And what is it like when people assume that you are a white person or that you identify as a white person? How do that you is navigate such a good question. that? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I think that is one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about EDJ, ED, Jedi work. <laughs> because um, I, often, as a person of color who might be white presenting to some people, um, you know, and... and this comes up all the time. You know, I posted on Facebook a while back about how, while I was going to Georgia State University, I had a friend who um, was surprised to find out that I was Hispanic. And um, and I started, you know, proudly telling him about my Hispanic heritage, about how my father's from Dominican Republic and he's black and my mom is half Cuban and half Puerto Rican and she's very light skinned and, you know, that I'm mixed race, but I'm also Hispanic. Um, you know, I, I love telling that story because I'm, I'm proud of my heritage. And his response was, oh, well, you should just go by Ricky and not tell anybody that you're Hispanic or that you're mixed race. Like, no one needs to know that. And, you know, and, and the way he said it to me was like, if it was a compliment for me to be able to pass as white. And, you know, for me, that was offensive. Um, I don't I don't want to pass for white. Like, I have never once wanted to pass for white. Um, so I don't blame you. especially this year it's so much easier to just be like i don't know what you're talking about i'm black you guys i I don't this is not my issue but i i think that's one of the reasons why i'm passionate about this work is because i you know 
I, I experience things like that all the time. I experience microaggressions mm-hmm. like that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I realize that because of my skin color, but also because of my experiences, I have a unique perspective and I might be able to bring, you know, be a, be a bridge to the gap between racial relations sometimes, especially in moments like those. You know, I use that as an opportunity to, to inform my friend, you know, like, hey, that's really offensive, by the way. And, um, you know, and, and just tell him why that's offensive, because he told me that because he thought I would be OK. And that's something that I don't think he would ever admit to someone who was darker skinned, um, you know, to a black person. He would have never told them that he thinks it's you know better to pass for a white person. Mm-hmm. Or better to be a white person. I mean, essentially, well, I he was telling hope them. not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's essentially telling a black person to their face that you know, hey, like I'm really racist. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, subtitles would pop up as people were saying these things, and then they would see <laughs> and him and they be like, oh, it. "Is that what I really said?" Just read it. Yeah. Well, and that's so. Actually, this this came up last night on the show, and I wanted. I didn't. I didn't pull it out. But I want to pull it out tonight. The term microaggressions. I've talked to someone before and they said microaggressions don't exist. Like it's only aggression. And I was like, yeah, but then I was like, actually, you know, I, I, because does, does us qualifying it as a microaggression make it any less aggressive than it was? Like, cause the reason that I pointed out is be, like, is like the reason that I pointed out that thing that we call a microaggression is because you didn't know you hurt me, but that's almost more aggressive because like, I, I like, I just feel like, like it's, in a world where everyone has the same access to knowledge, right? And in your white brain, since you came up with this microaggression, I'm assuming that you think I actually have less access to knowledge than you do. Um, and so the fact that I know that that was offensive, like I, I would, I would suspect that you would also know that that is probably not okay. It, it is, I guess, the argument and why it's not a microaggression. So I am curious about how that term came to be. And I, I wonder if it was a white person who, you know, coined that term because I've encountered white people who are offended by the term microaggression. And they said, you know, can we come up with another term for it? And I was like, well, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is like. Um, and it is aggressive. They, they, you know, they wrong that person. And, you know the fact that we have to call it a microaggression is in and of itself already us trying to make that person feel more comfortable with the fact that they wronged us whether they knew it or not you know because it was inadvertent inadvertent like that's probably why they want to call it a microaggression because it wasn't on purpose but um yeah like i don't get that it is emotional (laughs) and psychological abuse yeah And it's chronic because if you saw somebody talking to a child this way, even if the parent didn't think they were being mean because the way they were raised, all the things they were saying to the child are okay, you would still kind of bristle and you would know this child is being verbally abused. It doesn't matter if you know that you're doing damage. It does damage. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's... For the for the folks that maybe need a more concrete example, if you're driving, if you don't know, you're in a new city, you're driving down the wrong side of the road, you get in a car accident and somebody dies, they still dead. <laughs> Just because you didn't know that you were on the wrong path, don't mean don't make it the right one and don't make it like kind of okay that you were on it. On um, that Snap show and some of these other shows where people murder someone and then they're remorseful and they're like, well, I didn't know it's going to kill them. And they still don't really want to accept like, mm, they're still dead. Like, or, they're or, they're still like dead. or they're like, I, I clear, like if I was actually in that room, I wouldn't have done that. Like that wasn't me. They still dead. You killed somebody. It don't yeah, oh, I, di- I didn't mean for them to hit their head when mm. I pushed them off the bridge. And that, oh, I didn't mean for them to bleed out when I stabbed them. It was only twice. Like, the ugh. fact that you think oh, that that's going to work is white privilege. Straight up. I'm going to just say it. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's why mm-hmm. most people on those shows are white people. Because, one, mm-hmm. y'all crazy. I don't know why I keep saying we the craziest ones. Because from what has happened this news week <laughs> and everything that I watch on ID Discovery, y'all need to get that out your mouths. Because y'all the problem. <laughs> um, oh but... <laughs> 
Yes, because I feel like everybody's crazy, but right. some of us are not given any room to be crazy. We don't get an inch. So we don't have time to while out like that because we're getting shot for running red lights, okay? So, we're getting shot for buying Skittles. For buying Skittles. We're getting shot for being a 12-year-old and playing in a park. <clears throat> like, if, if you can't play with a toy gun, if you can't have a candy bar in your pocket, if you can't run a stoplight, I mean, you don't really have time. You could probably kill 15 be- people and get away with it. Well, that that's probably because exactly. you're a white man. Well, it's so funny <laughs> because it's so disturbing how people feel safe around people they think look like them mm-hmm. and assume that means that they are are safe. And they're absolutely not. And most people are going to be murdered by somebody from their own ethnic group. Not, yeah. I mean, not most people are going to be murdered. But if you are going to be murdered... <laughs> It is going to be by someone probably in your area, in your part of town, who looks like you. It's not going to be some strange, scary character, you know? I mean, it's going to be somebody you thought was safe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're wrong. Don't people always say, oh, but he was so nice. I can't believe he had 50 bodies under the house. Oh, my God. He was so nice. Wow, this took a turn. I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I feel like the, the message like is racism hurts everybody. <laughs> I know we started out saying we were going to focus on how, like, you have transmuted the I'm going to go do some of- art now. <laughs> He's like, I'm stressed. I need to go paint. <laughs> but you know what? The good news is, I really feel like everybody's finding coping mechanisms. And by everybody, I just mean us because not really everybody. (laughs) But you've got your creative expression, Nick, interviewing people, featuring what other people are doing, expressing your creativity through marketing as well. Ricardo, you have your beautiful art. I've been honestly getting a lot of joy from being very petty and that's giving me life. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Girl, I came into your life at the right time. Holly, I've been so proud of you and so proud to know you too, Nick. Like, you know, your podcast and these conversations that you're having, like, you know, it's such important work right now. And you might not see it like that right now, but it, it really is. You know, it's it's important work that you all are doing creating these safe spaces and having these dialogues, these important and relevant dialogues right now. Um, it, it's, it's great work. So keep it up and don't, don't uh, let your pettiness stop you. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, you listen. only use it for good, like a Jedi master. Yes. And yes. I was going to say, yeah. like, keep being nice to them people in the rooms. Cause I'm not. So um, I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. You know, as a as a light lighter skinned person of color, like I feel that's part of our responsibility, you know, because um, our black brothers and sisters don't have the patience, you know. We've all been running this marathon for a long time, but our black brothers and sisters have been running it a lot longer than all of us. And um, I recognize that, and I see that as you know part of my responsibility and uh, to step up and um, you know pick pick up the slack where where my darker skinned brothers and sisters can't. Yes. I love that. And that is such a beautiful message from like for all the multiracial babies. That's right. That's Especially the Hispanics. Like, let, let me just go on off on a quick oh, tangent yes. about Please the Hispanics. And Listen, we're going to give you the <laughs> whole story. Hispanics are some- like racist. I, like what is wrong with you? There you go. <laughs> Speak it. So the white Hispanics that are out there, like what, what is wrong with you guys? Seriously? Like it's, it's so frustrating. I don't understand. I'm, I'm on a couple of Facebook groups that are like exclusively for like Hispanic community. And, you know, they post some really funny things, but then they also post some really problematic and racist stuff. And I just don't understand. And I know it's because they're coming from this place of complete ignorance. Um, you know, they're white passing nine times out of 10 or they're self-hating people of color. And I just don't get it. You know, I, I, I don't understand it for the life of me why you have to look down on another race when you know that our own ethnicity, our own race has also been disenfranchised and, and you know, attacked by this administration 
and, and before this administration, you know, like I was looking, we had a Hispanic Heritage Month uh, event at our firm recently, and um, it was brought to my attention that there was like a sign, which I had never seen these signs before myself, but it's, you know, at restaurants and businesses all across America um, that said, no blacks, no Mexicans, no dogs. And to me, like that. Wait, where was it posted? I haven't seen this either. Oh, not in our lifetime, but. You know, oh, oh, okay, okay, got it. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I looked at the during this Congress administration. I, I was like, "What?" I, it felt <laughs> like it could be happening now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, well, for me, like it was just mind-boggling, but an ever-present reminder that you know this is the very real history of America that's founded in racism, and they don't just hate black people; they hate everybody who's not white. Mm-hmm. That's what these racists want. That's what these Nazi Nazis and white supremacists, that's what they want. You know, they want a white America. <clears throat> and when they finish killing everybody they don't like, they're going to drill down deeper and they're going to eventually get to you too. So everyone needs to wake the fuck up and we need to join together and, and you know, stamp this out while we still can because otherwise we're going to be on Asteroid M or... Uh, Krakoa or whatever it is that the X-Men are on now where they're like all the mutants are living together and all the humans are like living separately. That's that's what it's coming to. <laughs> yes. I'm yes. off my now. <laughs> I mean, it's just so true. We have to be intersectional. We aren't free until everyone is free. And honestly, if we can get to the point where black trans women are totally liberated, then everything else is going to fall into place. Because Absolutely. when you get the most marginalized person sorted out safe and secure with equal rights and equal access to employment then we're all covered so mm-hmm. advocating for a group that's getting more of a hard time for you is the smartest thing you could do like that's exactly where we want to start well and that's the work you know i think when people are like what's what's how do i do you know it's it's stop stop making an eye conversation mm-hmm. and and think about who who do i need to lift up I need to look back and see like who who is not getting the help right now. Like where who is beneath me that I can pull up in this conversation and 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 push forward. Um cuz that's that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Because we all have different levels of privilege and that makes perfect sense. Think about who has less privilege than you and who is more marginalized than you and that's where you can focus your energy because sometimes focusing on just helping the group that you're in becomes exhausting because you never get days off from being part of that group, which is why I'm not going to be marching. I have no emotional energy for trying to get people to realize that black people are human. I feel like my ancestors want me to enjoy the greatest amount of freedom I possibly can in real time. And focusing on that makes me feel caged. Mm. However, I'm all about helping my trans sisters out. Yes. Ah, I love smart people, especially smart <laughs> black and brown and queer people. I'm yes. just so happy to know both of you and have you in my circle now. This is amazing. Thank likewise, you likewise. Uh, Ricardo, you are, you've been a marketing guru getting this, like promoting this episode. Oh. Thank you. I'm so glad you said that because I felt bad. You were doing an excellent job. Like that's, the that's my yeah, job. Like a super I didn't hero. do anything besides just share what you did. That's great. <laughs> and then listen, before, be- like a great um, I was like, hey guys, don't forget to <laughs> No, that's perfect because honestly, I mean, you know, I come from the theater world and so like, I, I don't, I don't like making my own posts in the theater world. I like to share what the person has already put out there. So like, like it was oh. no, it's it's all it's all good. Message got out. Yeah, I'm just happy. Yeah. I'm just so happy we did this. This was one yeah, of the best ideas that we've ever had. Yes. Where this do we fun. find you, Ricardo? Yes. Where can we purchase your art? Oh, thank you for asking. So I'm on Etsy now. I just made an Etsy shop, and that was totally thanks to you, Dahlia. Uh, so you can look me up, uh, Art by Ricardo Corporan. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, Art by Ricardo Corporan, and I'm also on Instagram now. And I'm very new to Instagram, so bear with me. But please do come follow me. 
He's doing great. Listen, I will. We'll drop some links in the comments for the facey bookies and add some stuff to the description and stuff. Ah, Ricardo, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yay! Oh, awesome. we did it. This has been a wonderful experience. I hope that that was enough for everybody to fall in love and that our audiences are now going to be one big happy family. I think that'd be amazing. Like, I I just, you know, I say all the time in the arts world, a lot of people are afraid of collaborations um, because people are always like, I've been burned by collaborations and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but. The collaboration is so beautiful and like being able to do this specifically on this platform has been so important to me because it, it, it proves that that it's still possible to create connection in a digital space. It's still possible to find people from across the country and be in the same conversation and and not, you know, be be afraid of what this partnership could mean. We're just doing we're just yeah. doing it because that's what needs to happen. You know, we, we talk about, we, we talked about making space last night and like how to find community and, and I'm, this is it. This is how you do it. Yeah. Period. 100%. That's the yeah. tweet. And don't be afraid. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's really interesting that people have been burned before. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you get a vibe and you follow your intuition and you know safe people for the most part. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, um, oh, before we go, I have to shout out. Uh, I got a new patron today. Shane Richland. Thank you so much for your contribution. Um, also have to do the shout out to my sponsors. Y'all are beautiful and wonderful. We love you. You're fantastic. I'm going to do this right this time, Dahlia. Watch. Oh, this was the best time Dahlia tell the people one more time where can we find you go to sendfox.com slash Dahlia Kinsey that's D-A-L-I-A K-I-N-S-E-Y and get on my mailing list so we can stay connected you need to look for Body Liberation for All wherever you get fine podcasts yes Ah, and like follow subscribe share all the things listen Dahlia Kinsey, everyone, thank you so much for this event. It's been amazing. It's been like a little revival. It's like we're a church. (laughs) Or a cult. Oh, no! (laughs) 